I'm human and I've been through a lot of trauma. If I could feel another way, I would. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So, one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations, and hopefully better conversations, with attempt survivors. I'm going to keep trying. Now, we are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen, because there is so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out, hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Suicide Noted. And as always, I want to thank everybody who has come on this podcast to share their stories so openly and so bravely, as well as all of our listeners, wherever you are around the world. A sincere thanks. Today, I am talking with Sierra. Sierra lives in Nevada, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, how are you doing, Sierra? I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay, too. So share with me, if you would, what compelled you to reach out? Well, I found on Spotify and I listened to an episode and I love helping people. So Mm. the possibility that my story could help someone really made me want to be a part of it. I appreciate that. And I'm sure people who hear it will too. Uh, Okay, so Sierra, yeah, where does it begin? I always had a really like toxic home life when I was younger like my earliest memory is sitting in the front seat of a cop car because my mom punched my sister in the face Mm. and uh, my parents would just drink a lot then they would fight I never got hurt or anything Mm -hmm. it was just a lot to deal with mentally at such like a young age so once I got to like like seventh eighth grade I started like self-harming I was also getting bullied pretty bad too a good number of people i've spoken to self-harmed it's not something i've ever done so when it's something i've never done i'm always maybe a little more curious so can you remember what compels someone to self-harm or at least what compelled you to self-harm as a coping mechanism i just wanted to feel something Mm. i was like very numb at the time even if it didn't hurt that bad it still was like something and you said you were also getting bullied? Mm-hmm. How did you deal with deal with that? I would just like eat lunch in my favorite teacher's classroom and pretty much just stay to myself. I didn't have many friends. Mm. And did that sort of stuff continue beyond middle school into high school? Yeah. Beyond? I did in-person school the first semester of ninth grade, and then I moved to online school. Oh, really? And I've been in it since. And why, why'd you do that? Just because I had a really hard time making friends and 
I was getting bullied still. Mm-hmm. And then, so you would, you would do the online school from primarily from home. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that was even an option. How did you like that? I liked it. I'm still in it. I have a year left. And I guess so. Yeah. And well, that's kind of weird because in the past year, almost everybody's gone to some sort of online school, but you've been doing it. You like, it's been not new for you. So do you have one, one attempt? I have two. Can you share about the first one? So the first one, I ended up taking a bunch of pills. I live near a river. I just went and sat near the river and I walked four miles before they set in. Like I was just walking circles around this park. They finally kicked in and my dad wanted to go get Mexican food. So we walked down to the Mexican place and I'm all like out of it. I could barely stay awake. Mm-hmm. So then I barely make a home. My dad just thinks I'm really tired. So I walked four miles and I passed out on the couch and I slept for probably like five hours. And then mm-hmm. I woke up and puked all over my bathroom. Yeah. Your body was like, nah. So just to be clear, you on that day, you took pills and walked around the river. Was your intention that it was going to be the pills or were you trying to do something else in nature? It was the pills that time. I even took anti-nausea pills and they didn't work. They didn't work. And so after you threw them up and you slept and then threw them up. And when was that? It was in November 2019. And so at this point. Does anybody know? Does anybody ask you what's going on? No. Do you tell my dad anyone? just thought it was from me walking four miles. I told my uncle. Uh-huh. I don't really remember how he reacted. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I don't know how many episodes you, you, you've listened to. Uh, again, there's certain questions that I always find myself asking. And one of them is, what is it like to do something in which you're trying to end your life? And then it doesn't work. And here you are, right? Crappy day, but you're alive. Yeah. What do you, what do you, do you remember? Like, what's your feeling? Like, are you like, all right, great. I'm alive. Like, cause you probably wanted to not be here. Yeah. And you're here. Since that attempt was like, like minor one, I was a little disappointed. Like nothing happened. All right. So that's November of 2019. And then, so when does the second, and it sounds like the more serious attempt occur? April of 2020. All right. So it's been a bit over a year. Mm-hmm. What happens on that day? One night, uh, my, I waited until my dad and sister went to bed. I took some ibuprofen, like a lot. I walked out to a bridge and my local police department had to spend 45 minutes trying to get me off it. Okay. This was a bridge over water or no? Yeah, over water. Something that if you would have jumped, it would have been deadly, likely? The bridge I chose probably wouldn't have been deadly. I think it was more like a cry for help. There were parts of me that want to live. I feel like that's how it is with a lot of people. Like there's always something deep down that you want like to live still. So I picked like the smallest like or like the shortest bridge near me. I texted 911 when I was walking to the bridge. Did they get back to you? Like, they were texting back. My phone wasn't lighting up for some reason, so I was I didn't know if the text went through. Mm-hmm. So I was just sitting there, and then after probably like five minutes, uh, the first two police officers got on scene. And they talked to you? 
they tried to. I kind of ignored those two. Another one got on scene, and he was the one that eventually talked me off. So, yeah, I, I'm always curious how people engage with people who are in that kind of situation. That was crises moment, I suppose, but even afterwards. So do you remember anything that the police officer said that like put you in a space to think, all right, you know, I'll come back. Well, they try to make a connection. Yeah. So they'll like bring up everything, like your favorite movie, your dog, your family. They got me off with coffee. What? How's that? What do you mean? Like, so <laughs> they asked me if I wanted coffee. And then because it was two o'clock in the morning. So then they sent an officer. I have no idea where he went because nothing was open at that time. He brought me back coffee. So then I finally got down. I got down one leg at a time, too, like before then. Mm. And so what do they do then? I, so, you're, so you're no longer about to jump. You drink your coffee. Do they take you somewhere? Like, what, are the, what happens then? So they talk to you for a minute, and then they put you into an ambulance and take you to the hospital. Did you think that's where you needed to be? I don't know. You go to, like, one of the main hospitals, then they transport you to one of the mental hospitals, like, within probably, like, 12 hours if they have, like, a, a bed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to meet other people that like feel the same way you do but at the same time you're pretty much just locked in like the same place for like 24 hours for a week Mm -hmm. and like they try doing like little therapy sessions and like right yeah they, they do what they can i guess it sounds to me and i've been in those hospitals myself a couple of times it seems like it's mostly we're gonna do whatever we can so you can't have any opportunity to try that again they make it really hard right but uh, yeah I, I don't know how much it helps beyond that you know did you find anything that they did in those therapy sessions or anything else that was like useful or helpful for you no no all. all right so you get let out after a week and then and this is now so we're about a year ago a little bit more And also that, and we've just locked down, which I don't know if that affects anything. So what happens in your life after that? I ended up getting let out on my dad's birthday. Because I didn't realize when I attempted, it was a week before my dad's birthday. My sister, uh, she lives in California. She's uh, 18 years older than me. She was up here visiting, like when I attempted. And she was just staying longer and longer and longer. I finally, like, she was supposed to leave the next day, but I was at a point where I couldn't wait any longer. So she really held my attempt against me. And at the end of last year, maybe like August, we were moving out of the apartment uh, we used to live in, and she was helping. And I had to go down to my mom's in California. I guess she had to, like, clean around our toilets or something. And she, like, was mad about it. I went to a Mexican restaurant with heard my dad's like girlfriend at the time everything was going fine my sister was even like flirting with some cop that was driving by like we're having a nice time she started like getting mad at me because i i wasn't there to clean around the toilets and she had to and like was just like calling me a spoiled brat and like started being really rude so it was right down the street from my house so i got up and walked home then when uh 
she got there, she started yelling at me again. It was like calling me like names. So I got up to go walk out the door mm. and she like blocked me at the fridge and was pushing on me. So I pushed her and we started fighting. Mm. After that, she left like a week later. My dad made me forgive her and we went to the beach in California. She had another episode. She ended up finding me and my dad at this like hotel that none of us had like reception in. She had to like just sit outside most of the night and then we drove home and it was the most like awkward car ride because mm-hmm. it was like five hours away. So your second attempt was in April, but this this exchange that you just ex- shared was in August. Yeah. You said that your uncle knew about the first one, but given that you went to a hospital and there were police involved in the second one, other people knew about that one, yeah? Yeah. So who was that? Your your family or other people? I had like a group of friends on Instagram mm-hmm. and I messaged them like goodbye right before I did it. Mm. And then my dad was called when I went to the hospital and right. he has really bad anger issues. So I was begging them not to let him in because I thought he was just going to yell at me. Mm. So actually that's when the things with my sister started because she came in instead of my dad. She was sitting there just like bawling her eyes out, like screaming at me. I was extremely numb. So I was just sitting there staring at her. Like I wasn't crying or anything. I didn't cry for like a month after my suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. So I had her text one of the girls in the group chat and let them know that I was okay. I guess after that, um, they always kind of treated me differently. Yeah. In October, I had a little run-in with Demi Lovato on Instagram. We were all Lovotics, which is her fan group. When that happened, I had thousands of people attacking me. My like best friend that I would like FaceTime every like every day that like was in that group chat, she just stopped talking to me. And when I asked her about it, she said like she never really forgave me for my attempt and that my mental health is like too much for her and that like with the, all this on top with like Demi hating me, she couldn't really like handle being my friend anymore. And she just started ignoring me after that. Why in the world would Demi Lovato hate you? It was right around the time she released her song Commander in Chief. And all I was trying to say in her comments was writing a song about the president, no matter if you like them or not, is going a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. You could be outspoken on social media all that you want, but if someone with like the opposite political views, like here's that song, they could feel like they can't listen to your music anymore, even if you've like helped them. And she took it way differently than how I I like meant it. And she replied wow so it sounds like you had this group of people on instagram that you felt the connection to and then most of them disappeared or were negative towards you yeah and that was about what summer last summer it was october all right so you had this ongoing stuff with your family particularly your sister you shared about that in august and then that happened october so what's been going on since you're obviously still here, and I'm grateful for that. I'm glad you are, obviously. How has life been? It has been great. Yeah. I spend most of my time at either this coffee shop I'm trying to get a job at or driving circles around the airport. Really? Yeah. Why do you do that? Yeah. I don't know. 
I just I got my license in February. Oh, congrats! I don't know. It's just like gives me something to do, I guess. It's something with you in circles because you said you were walking around the body of water in circles, and you're circling around the airport. I think you like circles or some shape like that. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> All right, and you're still in school. Yeah. So what month are we in, May? So you have one more year. Mm-hmm. All right, let me ask you a question that might be a tough one. You haven't given up entirely, certainly, right? You're here. By definition, I know you haven't given up because you're here. You're talking to me. You're alive. And you have a year left of high school. Like when you imagine your life, and I don't know if you think about these things, the future, I mean, do you think about that? Do you imagine being alive in in a month, in six months, in five years? There's no image of me being alive in like a month or two, but I see myself like doing my future career when I'm like 21. What is that career? I want to be a police officer. I want to help people. Okay. You want to be a police officer. Interesting. So there's a lot of ways to help people. Why, why do you want to go into that particular field? Well, I have some officers in my family. Since my attempt, I've gotten really close with my local department. So now, like, I'm friends with all them. And it's just always been something that I've wanted to do since I was in, like, first grade. Hmm. I've talked to, like, my uncle about this because he was a lieutenant in a city in California. He said to me that you can't go into it for, like, the salary or, like, the benefits or anything. It has to be, like, a calling for, Hmm. like, the right reasons. And that's exactly how I feel. It's no matter like how many times I try to stray away from a career in law enforcement, my mind always goes back to that. Sounds like it's a sign of some kind. And so you think about your life in terms of your career and being a police officer. But with that said, do you think, as we talk in this moment, you might try again? Honestly, don't know. Yeah, that's honest. I have bad days and good days. I have noticed that I can't use like the crisis call center and like crisis text line because when I tell them that I have constant suicidal thoughts, it just automatically means dispatch. Correct. And the last, like I'm fine when they send my local department, I just explained to them that I'm fine. They overreact. But the last time they sent paramedics and the paramedics had to call my dad and get me like AMA'd. My dad knowing was terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Is he not supportive of my mental health at all? Really? That's got to be difficult. Sounds like mm-hmm. your dad and sister either aren't supportive or don't understand. It's the same with my mom, too. With your mom. Does anybody in your life understand? Or, or maybe even better question is like, try to understand. Not really. Nobody online? acquaintances, police officers, family, no one. The officer that talked to me off the bridge last April, he stays in contact with me. And oh, I talk to him when I'm like struggling, like mm-hmm. really bad. And he, he tries to understand. And I'm also, uh, because of the crisis call center, I'm friends with a sergeant with my the sheriff's office where I live. She also tries to like understand, like I've met her for coffee and stuff before. Wow, great. Yeah, there's a, I don't know if it's a myth, but calling the crisis text line or texting the text line or calling a hotline, I guess it can help some people sometimes. But yeah, you're right. If you, you know, they ask you those four questions, imminent risk. And if you answer yes, 
I think it's a law. They have to send someone. And then you're kind of caught in that loop. Mm. So you stop calling. What do you think people misunderstand about you or your struggles? And if you had a magic wand, if they could just get it, what would you want them to understand? I'm human and I've been through a lot of trauma that if I could feel another way, I would. I've been accused a lot of being depressed and like having attempts for like attention. That's not it like at all. My brain is actually like actively telling me to like do stuff. And sometimes I'll give it into it. Yeah. Like sometimes the thoughts are stronger or weaker. What do you think are, are some myths around? I don't know what the word is. It's not really a myths around suicide, but just being in that space, attempting people who are in that kind of pain. I feel like people's like family and friends, when they attempt, they don't think that, or like when they attempt or like go through with it, they don't think that they think about like their family and friends. Mm -hmm. They think they're just thinking about themselves when that's not true. All we're thinking about are our loved ones, but our brain makes us feel like such a burden that it's not enough. Yeah. That comes up sometimes for sure. When I ask people about that, that word burden, do you think if people uh, could spend a day or a week in your life, in your brain and body and everything, they'd be like, wow, I had no idea. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could somehow do that? It would change everything. But that's obviously very unlikely to be possible. Just a thought. So when you had said you talked to one of the sergeants or one of the other officers, you're obviously you reached out to, to me. What else do you do? Like formally medication therapy, informally going for a walk, talking on a podcast, whatever else that helps. If anything, well, I'm in therapy. It helps, but at the same time, it doesn't in a way, I guess. My life's just so crazy that uh, I like have so much constantly going on that in one session, it's just like that one day in my life, or I mean, that one week in my life. One hour. <laughs> yeah. Medication or no? I was on it for a while, but. I've had some weird reactions to some medications. Yeah. I tried Prozac, Zoloft, and Wellbutrin. Prozac put me in a mental hospital for the first time. Wow. The Zoloft didn't do anything, and the Wellbutrin made me feel a little bit worse. Yes, I had the same response to well. It's been a years, but Wellbutrin screwed me up. It might be a coincidence, but I started having these like crazy, probably shouldn't use that word, but whatever. Uh, like anxiety attacks. It was brutal. Do you ever get them? Panic attacks or anxiety attacks? I've been getting them a lot more lately. How do yours feel like? Because mine are super hard to describe, and I'm always wondering if there's others who... Yeah, what what are yours like? Well, my heart starts racing. They usually happen when I'm driving and someone like does something stupid. My heart starts racing. I just feel a little bit disoriented. Hmm. While you're driving, too. Circles around the airport, or is that other times? Yeah, circles around, usually. Circles around the airport. You ever feel like you want to just hop on one of those planes and go somewhere? All the time. You do? Where would you go? I don't know. No idea? Hawaii? Paris? 
have two sisters and the other one does live in Kauai. Really? So. So nice out there. I might, if I had a choice, go visit her. Yeah. So in order to be a police officer where you are, you presumably have to finish high school. Do you also have to go on to other education before you can apply? You don't have to, but it helps. Yeah. Are you going to try? I was thinking about after I graduate high school, becoming either a dispatcher or an EMT mm. and then getting like on, a, on the side, getting a degree in like psychology. No, very nice. So you had said earlier when we first started talking that the main reason you, you reached out was to help others. That's been something you shared a few times. So it's obviously important to you. And that's the reason you're sharing your story. So in addition to what you shared, which has been wonderful and honest, and I appreciate it greatly. Is there something else or other things you want to share with people who are listening who might need the help or need the words? I don't know. I haven't really thought much about like what to say to like people in that situation, like a situation involving like mental health because I haven't really had to deal with it. I guess there is help out there if you look in the right places. And I feel like a lot of people don't think that. Mm -hmm. If you're really struggling, maybe look into some of them. People need to try to find it. But I think you're right. In most places, certainly, there are resources available. And, And now, more than ever, I mean, it's probably something you can find online in Google. What do you do for fun? Drive around. Yes, yes, circles. Uh, I like singing. Oh, yeah? I usually just sing for myself, but I have auditioned for The Voice three times. Legit? Like, not, like, in front of the coach- coaches. Like, there's, like, a huge process to go through before, and you just, like, have to audition in front of producers, but... Like, live, though? Yeah. That's pretty courageous. One of them was virtual, then the other one... Or there's one where I live, and then the other, there's another one in California. You want to sing a song right now? No. Okay. I have to ask. (laughs) I get to ask and you get to say no. Wow. Sincere thanks for joining me and reaching out and sharing stuff. Thanks for having me. And like, I hate to sound weird or trite or, but I really hope things, I think it'd be a good cop. Thank you. Because you give a shit and that matters. Yeah. Hope things go well for you. Enjoy your day. In Nevada, driving around the airport. (laughs) All right. Take care, Sierra. Thanks again. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Sierra out in Nevada. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Suicide Noted. And if you'd like to help us out with a financial contribution, that information is in the show notes. We could use the help. Either way, we really appreciate it. That is all for episode number 58. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.